You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another Page Turner with Big Dog and Lil Stuff. I'm Stephanie. And I'm the Big Dog, Tom Hutchison. And we're back for our second episode, and we're going to talk all about Kickstarter today. It's very exciting. <laughs> All about it, yes. Yeah. You're you're gonna you're gonna walk away from this with a lot of knowledge, hopefully. <laughs> you're either gonna be really excited or really bummed out. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> you know, probably a mixture of both, but you know, we're we're aiming for positive stuff here. Yes. So how have you been, Tom? How was like since last time we recorded? How's life? Uh it's been good. Um we did uh I'm, I, my day and weeks all run together now. Or even where I was two weeks ago. Um, went to G Fest. I don't remember if that was what we talked about last time. The Godzilla Con, mm-hmm. and uh, and then just basically after that, it was it was just kind of working towards getting my Kickstarter ready because uh, it launched the following weekend after G Fest, which was just this past uh, this past Saturday. And uh, it's just been been busy working on that, working on the the past Kickstarters, making sure all the artists are you know doing their thing. That's just like wrangling cats sometimes. And <laughs> uh, you know, the, the 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 Kickstarter launch went off well. We're 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 screaming, um, in fact, on, on our pace. We're we're at we're starting day four, but our money and our backer count is already equal to what we were at day six on the last campaign. So. We're, we're really on some kind of a huge wave right now that uh, I was not prepared for. That's incredible. It's, it is incredible. You know, and as long as you've been, you know, you've been doing Kickstarters for, for some time now. And, you know, I'm always seeing your updates. And it seems like every single time you do one, it just keeps getting, like, better and better and better, which is what you kind of want, you know? That's that's 100% what you want. I mean, <laughs> yeah. obviously you want uh, – also, the, the, the key really here and and – this is what I'm starting to see now is um, the key is obviously you want to make as much as you can on the Kickstarter. I mean, that's the goal. You need the money to make the books and pay the artists and do all the thing. But the the big key is watching your backer count increase because mm-hmm. if your backer count is increasing, increasing from project to project to project, that means that not only are your buyers coming back, but you are becoming at least in some way viral because people are finding your project and saying, Oh, I've heard about that. Let me let me try this out. Oh, I've heard about that. Let me try this out. So every time we've done a Kickstarter, our backer count has increased every single time. And in doing so, that pushes your your pledge amount up every time as well. Right. And, you know, it's it's Kickstarter is definitely a great way to um, grow your audience. Um, And so, okay, I say, how do we want to do this? Should we start at the at the very beginning like, what is Kickstarter? <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. Let's, yeah. yeah, I say we start from the beginning and kind of give our listeners who either maybe haven't done a Kickstarter, um, have been thinking about doing a Kickstarter, or, you know, have done a Kickstarter but want to see it be a little bit more successful. Um, sure. We're going to share some of our knowledge with you. So Kickstarter is a – it's a crowdfunding platform that's become, you know, way – popular what the last like it's like what five years it's become pretty huge yeah it's become a very real thing in the last five years or so yeah and i know especially for um indie creators it's been a great tool to be able to um make product that you want to make find you know help to find your audience um but also get it out there um, on a bigger platform because it is, you know, when you're an independent creator and you're doing everything for yourself, all of your marketing, all of your, you know, all the things that go into putting a book together, a comic or, you know, whatever project you're working on, um, any way that you can <laughs> help to get yourself out there uh, is a good thing. Um, so I've seen a lot of indie comics coming through on Kickstarter and, and doing really well, which is fantastic. Um, yeah. K- Kickstarter, you know, you, you got to look at Kickstarter as more than just crowdfunding. It is a distribution platform. I mean, it is a way for you to essentially sell whatever it is you're making, whether it's a comic book or whether it's uh, a movie or whether you're doing animation or, you know, 
if you have an invention of some sort, I mean, there's people that do all kinds of things for, for inventions. It's a distribution platform and a, and a marketing tool kind of all wrapped up in one. Yep. And one of the main things that I, you know, for people who are thinking about doing a Kickstarter or are in the preparations of doing their first Kickstarter, um, we just kind of wanted to give some advice from what we've learned. Uh, I've only actually done one Kickstarter myself. It took um, me working in comics for over three years to feel confident that I had the audience, the the marketing ability, and um, you know a, a product that I was one hundred percent fully behind and very proud of to kind of make that leap of faith and see what would happen. Um, and luckily <laughs> my first Kickstarter was like 3000% funded. It, it did way better than I could have imagined. I had so much support over, it was somewhere between 200 and 250 backers. So for a first Kickstarter, for a person who does their own marketing and, and their own networking and all of that, I thought, you know, I was pretty damn proud of myself. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I'm about to go into my second Kickstarter and I've learned some things from doing a Kickstarter already and having one under my belt, uh, you know, the things that I would like to share with you guys so that if you're planning on doing one, you don't make the same mistakes that I made. <laughs> so, yeah, and there are, there are mistakes not really mistakes but most of the time it's just sort of things that you didn't think about oh yeah oh yeah especially like you know your first time doing it there's going to be probably several things that you don't really think about because it's a very um it can be very stressful to put together a kickstarter and to make it look the way you want and to um and then once you launch a kickstarter you spend that whole month or however many days you have your project up you're constantly working on that Kickstarter. It becomes your job for the next month, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. If you're treating it seriously, it is a job. Um, and so you really need to be able to, you know, assuming that most people who do this have their nine to five job as well, you still need to understand that when you come home at night, Kickstarter is now your night job. Um, you know, whether it's social media or whether it's sending updates because you, you cracked a stretch goal or, you know, you reached some milestone within the thing, letting your, your, your fan base know what's going on. Um, it is now your job for the next so many odd days that you've chosen to run the campaign. All right. And then even after that, once, once you've been successfully funded, then you have to go into fulfillment mode. So, mm -hmm. I would say again for the usually like at least in my experience the next month after was all about ordering everything that I needed, getting mm -hmm. everything packaged, getting everything out to my backers on time in good condition. So it's really preparing, doing and then fulfilling is about like a like a 3 month job. Easily. Yeah. And for some people it's longer. Um the main thing that I want to stress, and, and me and Tom were talking about this before we um, went on air, is that especially for people who are new creators, Kickstarter is not going to magically put you on the map. Um, unfortunately, I mean, yes, it opens you up to a bigger audience, but it doesn't automatically mean that you are going to get enough, you know, depending on what your goal is, it doesn't mean you're going to hit your goal because you have a Kickstarter. I've seen a lot of Kickstarters not get funded. And one of the, the few things that I've noticed is that um, either A, they're not really talking about it enough on social media or, you know, doing really enough support for their own Kickstarter which you really, really have to do. Um, again, that, that whole time and even before your Kickstarter, I've already been doing updates for almost a month, <laughs> um, you know, to get people ready. Like it's sure. common, man. Um, but so if you're a new creator and, you know, you don't really have a mailing list and you don't really have a big social media presence, it can be very difficult to get funded. Um yeah, this isn't uh, this isn't just the money tree where you kind of walk up to it and and pluck a dollar off the branch and then keep doing it and keep doing it. It's you know there there is absolutely a Kickstarter 
audience, you know, much like there is a, a comic book retail store audience, there is a convention audience and so on. There is people, uh, a group of people who, you know, are very, very Kickstarter savvy and they like to see people create things. Um, but there's really not enough of those guys uh, to do much more than just kind of get you started. You know, if you wanted to have a, a low goal, like say maybe $500 to just kind of produce a comic and just, you know, say, Hey, I want to make a comic and I just want it out there. And, and that's all I want to do. Um, then, then set a low goal and you can probably reach it just through the community that exists. But if you're looking for something on a larger scale, um, you really need to kind of build yourself before you build your Kickstarter. Yeah, it makes a it makes a huge difference. And just, you know, I'm on Kickstarter and I'm one of those people, I will just go through comics on Kickstarter and if something looks good to me, I'll back it. I'm one of those mm -hmm. people who will randomly back something even if I don't know the creator um, because it's, you know, I'm a big, I'm really big into supporting, you know, the community. And if it's a horror comic or it's something that looks interesting to me, yeah, you know, like 10 bucks or whatever is worth it to get something cool in my hands and uh, support indie creators. But that's not the bulk of the people that back you. That's more of like, you know, the lower end of what you're going to get. So um, I worked for years on um, getting a mailing list together, working really, really hard on my social media, doing conventions, getting myself out there, doing interviews, um, you know, putting my stuff out there for review. Just, you know, until I felt like, okay, I think I've, you know, I spent these last three years putting myself out there in every possible way. I have a, a good size mailing list and I felt like I was ready. And luckily I had people like Tom uh, to give me advice and kind of help me with some things that I, as a new you know person to Kickstarter, had no idea about. <laughs> so Yeah, I, I, I've had a lot of people, you know, kind of tap me on the shoulder and, and just sort of ask questions. And, um, and I, I for, you know, there's not a lot of transparency in, in comics in, in any way, shape or form, but, um, you know, there are definitely people out there who, if you just kind of are, are, you know, you don't want to like talk their ear off about it, but, um, there's definitely people out there that if you just kind of ask questions, you know, Hey man, uh, what, what about this? And what about that? What about images? What about blah, blah, blah. Most people will, are willing to kind of pay it forward. You know, we, we've done, enough of these and we've been in the industry for long enough that, you know, we definitely want to sort of share, share the, the information and, and help the next level of people that are coming up. So, um, you know, if you're at conventions and you know, somebody who's done some Kickstarter stuff, you know, just, just ask, don't come up with like a checklist of things like, how do you do, how do you do, how do you do? But if you've got specific questions, um, you know, you can ask people. I mean, any if you if you see me at a show, ask me. I, I'll help you out for sure. Are you tearing paper or something over there? <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> okay, I'm getting a sound. We're we're using Skype, guys, and we're using a mic this time. So I didn't like. I didn't know if you were doing anything in the background because I keep hearing this noise, and I'm like, what is that? <laughs> oh, that's weird. Okay, I'll try and. Uh, I mean, my fan is on in here, so maybe the maybe the the mic caught the fan a little bit. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I'll, I just I'll... wanted to check. <laughs> like, what is he doing over there? That crazy man. <laughs> I'll try and turn my body so the fan doesn't get the, get the mic and see if that helps. <laughs> no biggie. Just throwing that out there. You know, if this shows up in the recording, you know, Tom's tearing paper over at his house. I don't know why, but. <laughs> tearing up all of my comics. I'm done with this. It's over. <laughs> Kickstarters are so frustrating. That's right. Yeah. The worst. <laughs> um, so, you know, after you've, after you feel like you've established yourself enough where you feel that you can run a successful campaign and you've maybe talked to some people that have run successful campaigns and gotten some information from them, your next step is to, you know, get on Kickstarter and start your campaign. You're going to want to spend at least a month, in my opinion. Um, some people work on them longer. It, it it all depends on how comfortable you feel um, with, you know, stylizing it to look nice. And because it, it's not only what it 
you know, your reward goals, you want everything to look nice and professional on your page because if your Kickstarter page, because if it looks professional and, you know, well-organized, people are going to take you much more seriously. I know that I've, you know, seen some Kickstarter pages where like, it's like they have one picture of the art and it's just like they threw it up there and there's like, it, it just seems really slapped together and like they didn't take it seriously. <laughs> and I mean, that kind of, for me, that's kind of like a red flag uh, in backing uh, somebody who I don't, you know, know from the community. I, it makes me a little leery. So you definitely, I mean, would you say that that's an accurate statement? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you want to present, you're, you're almost building a website. Uh, with, with your Kickstarter and you want to think of it that way because you want people to come to your website and you want them to go through what you're showing, whether it's art or whether you have, you know, whatever text you're putting in there and you want it to all look clean. You want it to sound good as far as whatever you're writing. You want your images to be large. I, I once saw a Kickstarter where he had nice big images, but the image itself was just filled with words and the cover that he was trying to sell was like, you know, an eighth of the size of the total image. And I'm like, no, dude, you have that completely backwards. You want to show the cover. You want to show your art. You want that to be what catches people's eye. And then they want to go, oh, that has a cool angel on it. What's this about? And then you can have a little bit of text next to next to that that explains, okay, this is so-and-so did the art and it's limited to so many and such and such and such, the price, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, there's so many times that, that people just, it, it, it to me it feels like it should be common sense but um there's definitely those that that are so new to it that they just either haven't done their research like you're not watching the people that are successful you know don't be afraid to go look at kickstarter look at the people that are doing these things and are being hyper successful because that's the template you need to use to translate to to how you do it now that doesn't mean copy what they do but you need to look at it as sort of like okay look here's what uh, Brian Polito does. Here's what Dan Mendoza does. Um, you know, here's what, you know, Vince Hernandez does. And, and these guys were all successful. So how do I translate what they did into what I do? And, and then of course, just like comics and with writing, find your own way to do it. But, um, you know, always, always show what it is that you're making, uh, to the best possible degree that you can. Um, if, if, if my grandpa used to always say, uh, in order to be successful, you have to look successful. Now, that doesn't mean you are successful, but if you look successful, people are going to come to you more than when you, if you're just kind of, you know, like let, let's say you're at Artist Alley, for example, and there's a, a a table there and a guy has put down a nice tablecloth and he's got some nice stands for his comics and he's got a banner behind him and he's got, you know, a nice, you know, dress shirt or something on. And then right next to him is a guy with no tablecloth on the table. And he just has kind of a couple of books, you know, spread out on the table, which is more professional. Now, the dude that sets his stuff out on the table may still have a great product. But from a visual sense, from people just kind of wandering by, they're going to they're going to look at the guy who looks more professional first before they look at the guy who's just kind of looks like he's not even there in the game. If that makes sense. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I've I've uh, I've seen those tables at conventions, and I walk right past them. I you know, I well, like you work so hard, like as you know, when you do conventions to set up, like at least I have to set up your mm-hmm. table in a way that's inviting and mm-hmm. um that catches the eye, and you've got yep. your banner, and you know you've got your display up, and I'm always changing mine up, especially as I bring out new product because you can't mm-hmm. keep the same setup. You have to you know try new things. It's yeah. really cool, and so you want to use that same concept when you do a Kickstarter. Like you want to have that professional appeal. It, it just makes it makes a huge difference. And then, you know, people like myself who might not know who you are will look at your Kickstarter and be more likely to back it, you know, than just going, oh, well, this looks kind of like a hot mess. Pass. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. definitely. Uh, and, you know, it, it, it kind of sucks to, to, to say that, but, um, you know, because there are definitely lots of guys who are trying, but they just don't have the experience yet. And that's where 
that's where taking the time to kind of build your audience and, and build your brand and, and figure out how to do it before you do it. That's where it kind of, kind of comes in. Even, even when I started, um, my first Kickstarter was I think 2016 maybe. And it was a brand new title. It was something that, that my fan base had never heard of. Um, I definitely was kind of paying attention to some of the guys that were doing it. And I tried to translate what they did into what I did. Um, but even with me at that point, having, what was that like six years of, of fan building, um, we would sell thousands of comics when we were in, in comic book stores in, in diamond and all that kind of stuff. When we did that first Kickstarter, we didn't even get 200 backers on that first Kickstarter, not even 200, um, out of that entire fan base that I had built and I had my mailing list and, and the whole thing. So even when, even when you have a fan base, it does not mean that when you put something new out, they're just going to come flocking to it. So you have to do everything, uh, with the idea that, uh, you know, how do we do this? You know, if you're, if your goal is $10,000, um, you need a hundred people. What, what's that? What's, what's the number? You need a hundred people to spend 10 bucks. No, sorry. You need a hundred people to spend a hundred bucks to get $10,000. Right. Right. Doing my math right. That sounds right to me. You're asking the, like, I'm not a math person. But that sounds, <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> we'll go let with me, it. Let me get the calculator out here real quick. Yeah. 100 people times $100 equals $10,000. So there's, there's your basic number. So if you need $10,000 to produce your book, you need to find a hundred people to spend a hundred dollars, or you need to find 200 people to spend $50 and so on and so on. So just do the basic math and try and understand, do you know 200 people that will come and give you $50 to reach your goal? If you don't, then you're going to have to rely on the Kickstarter audience to help you build that, which it is there. Um, but again, you're talking about a, an audience that doesn't know who you are. So you better make your campaign and your art and your story and your concept um, as strong as it possibly can be to drag the Kickstarter audience to you to supplement for the audience that you don't have. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and okay. so. You're setting up your Kickstarter at this point. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you've checked out other Kickstarters and you've seen kind of like what rewards they do and like what they charge for certain things. And so you kind of have some idea. Um, I've noticed that sometimes people go a little crazy with um, their rewards like there's like they're really cool things, but it's like so like niche and not necessary. Like I find, you know, at least for me personally, like when I tailor my rewards, I tailor them to be things that I know people want that that have, you know, you want people to want to <laughs> get these rewards here. So, you know, sure, yeah. so like prints are very popular, original art, very popular, alternate covers, very popular. Mm -hmm. um, right now, enamel pins, very popular. Mm -hmm. So you definitely want to check and see like what what most people are into. And like I said, prints are definitely um, a big thing. Enamel pins are hot right now. Um, I did my first enamel pin for this Kickstarter, so I'm pretty pumped. And, nice. um, you know, you can, I've also noticed that if you offer like a one of a kind kind of experience, like if you do a flash fiction or which is where you write like a one page story based on a prompt, a prompt for somebody. Um, or if you, offer, you know, a Skype call to help somebody with their script. Those are also really cool personalized things that you can do that there's value in and a need for. Um, I know like Tom, he's awesome with these alternate covers. Like he gets all these fantastic artists to do like all these different variant covers. I mean, how many different covers do you have right now for uh, Penny for Your Soul? <laughs> Uh, well, this one was a little bit more than than normal. We ended up with eleven, um, but partially because one artist actually did three for us. So she she actually did a, a cover, and then we we modified it so that it actually ended up being a set of three, which which got us to you know eleven. Otherwise, it would have been nine. Um, 
but uh, yeah, you know, the, the variant cover thing is, is something that's been talked about in the industry for a few years now where some people are saying, oh, well, you know, I don't understand why they're, why they're buying all these covers. And, you know, if, if they weren't buying these covers, they'd be buying other books. And, um, you know, it's just not, it's just not true. What you have to understand about the variant cover market is that there are, well, you have to understand the market as a whole. There are segments within the comic book buyers. There are comic book buyers who just buy it because they want to read it. There are comic book buyers because they like whoever is drawing the interiors. There's comic book buyers who just like the covers. And when you're talking about the covers, now you're talking about guys who like, who are basically just collecting it for art. So when you're doing variant covers, you're offering different art for the art collectors. The, the, the readers can still buy the basic, basic book. Um, for us, it's nine bucks. You get the book, it's shipping included, you're done. Um, but if you like all of the art, if you like to collect, which is a huge part of the industry is collecting, yep. um, yeah. that's where the, the variant covers come in. And, and, uh, it's also another way to help build your audience because if you can get somebody that's got a little bit of name value behind them and suddenly you can say, well, Hey, I've got, uh, you know, I don't know, whoever, Eric Basildua doing a cover for me. Now his fan base goes, what, what, what is this book? I, I want to get this cover because I know Eric and I collect Eric. And if they didn't know you, you've now got the opportunity to turn Eric's fans into yours. And so that's where, uh, that's, that's sort of the duality of the variant covers is you're selling art, which is great because there are art collectors and art buyers, but you're also uh, trying to hopefully turn those collectors into fans of your work, your, your actual story and so on. Yeah. And you've been really, really successful with these, you know, and we, this is one of the things that we talked about when we sat and talked for like 80 hours at Motor City that one, <laughs> that one day. <laughs> um, you know, cause I, I didn't understand like the appeal of the variant cover. And when you explained it to me, it made so much sense. And, you, you know, you've been working in the, in the business longer than me. So, you know, find yourself a mentor, people. <laughs> it, it does not hurt to keep, you know, uh, tried and tested people uh, in your in your gr uh, group of friends. It, it's yeah, very absolutely. Helpful. I mean, even even I, I mean, I, like I said, I've done this is my I think this is my 13th or something Kickstarter, but. I'm not sitting over here like I'm on top of the heap. I'm, I'm watching what everybody else is doing. And then I talk to these guys and, and, you know, we go back and forth on ideas. I mean, there's guys that I know that make more money than I do, but when they see some of the things that I do, they go, dude, I'm going to steal that. And I'm like, do it, do it, go, go ahead. I mean, it's, it's just a, it's just a technique. It's not, I didn't, I don't have a patent on this. Um, so, you know, it, it, everybody kind of talks to everybody. Um, and you need to just sort of get over the shyness if you want to really do this and, and go talk to people that do it and, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, I would say probably 90 percent of the time you're going to get a good, a good response. Um, there are definitely creators who are, uh, you know, not up for the chit chat, but um, most are, are going to help you out in, in some way, shape or form, as long as you're not too overbearing about it. Absolutely. I, there's so many amazing, uh, helpful people. I mean, at least that I've met. I've been very lucky to, I haven't run into anybody who has been, um, you know, unwilling to have a conversation about anything. But, you know, I started off being shy. So it, it, it took me doing conventions for about a year to really start talking to <clears throat> a lot of other creators because I just don't know how to approach people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, hey guys. Uh, so yeah, I just never did it, but I'm like over that now. You get over that really quick. <laughs> that's funny. That's that's how I am with like the movie star people. Like, I have no idea how to walk up to somebody and be and not be like, hey, in episode three of this thing, like, when did you like? No, I, I don't know how to do it. So I just I avoid the movie stars. But all of the <laughs> uh, all the all the comic book people. I mean, I just I just go just go do it. Now, I mean, obviously, I've been doing this for nine years, so. I've got a little, I, I feel like I've got a little bit more confidence under my belt because I've been doing it long enough. But um, even, even when I was in the early days, I mean, I, one of the, one of my greatest experiences was meeting Todd Nock, um, who for a long time was drawing Spider-Man uh, for Marvel. And he has his own book called Wild Guard that he did for Image, which is great. And um, I bugged him at a show uh, one time. And, and when I was just starting, I had no books. All I had was some character designs and so on. And I went up to him and just kind of hung out at his, his artist alley table. 
And uh, every every time, you know, he had kind of a lull, I'd just kind of toss a question out at him and uh, he'd answer. And finally, he just was like, look, man, why don't you just come back here and sit down and we'll just chat while while everybody, you know, goes through the stuff. And I was like, holy crap. So he literally just talked to me kind of like you and I did at Motor City. He just talked to me for like the whole day about, you know, self-publishing and creating and, and art and, and writing and all this kind of stuff. And uh, it was one of the greatest experiences I've ever had in comics. And uh, it, it reached a point where he actually loaned me one of his characters to do a crossover in, in my book, Critter. So it was it was a fantastic, fantastic experience. And um, that's that's what you want to try and do. Uh, when you're you're trying to figure out whatever it is you're trying to figure out, whether it's Kickstarters, whether it's just publishing in general, um, you know, go talk to people who have done it and uh, don't be overbearing. I would, um, so, you know, just kind of it's be 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 the boxer, you know, jab and move, jab and move and get your information and then move on to what's next. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, OK, so. The reward tiers that you do, uh, I think it isn't it like twenty five dollars is like the most popular like amount of money that's a re- like for that people pledge on on Kickstarter. Is, I think it, they averaged it out and it was like twenty to thirty dollar tiers were um, the most popular like most popular price point. Yeah. Yeah. Generally speaking, 20 to 30 bucks, um, you're going to do fine. Now, you know, you're going to find that that's going to vary based on, you know, what, what it is like for me with variant covers, you know, I will have somebody like say Dan Mendoza and that cover is going to run 50 bucks, but because he is, you know, he is the hot, hot artist guy creator right now. Um, people won't even blink at the $50 because it's, it's just, Oh my God, it's, it's damn Mendoza. I got to have that right now. But on the average, like you're talking about, yes, absolutely. I mean, I'm looking at my Kickstarter right now and all of the pieces that are basically 20 to 30 bucks, um, you know, outsell the things that are, you know, 50, 60, a hundred dollars. But usually also the stuff that is usually more money is also usually fairly limited too. Um, so again, you kind of are are looking for, you want to offer easy ways to buy your book, 10, 20, $30 prices. Um, but then you also want to have things for the collectors who really like that limited edition stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. It's definitely good to have variety, but you know, again, look at what other people are offering that have been successful Mm -hmm. and, you know, see what works for your campaign. You know, if you Mm -hmm. have a character that has like a signature, like, wristband or something like you could make that wristband or mm-hmm. you know there's Absolutely. there are things that you can do that you know are unique to your own project that don't cost a ton of money but they're really cool and fans would be really excited to have it so um yeah. and then if you have people wearing that wristband or if you made like a t-shirt or you know whatever suddenly you have people marketing your product everywhere they go if they're at a show wearing your shirt then you know people are going to go dude what's on your shirt and that's instant marketing for you Heck yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> okay, so now you've got your tier reward set up and, you know, you're you're finishing up everything that you need to finish up to get your Kickstarter put out there. Um, another thing that can, that can be difficult to do properly is the Kickstarter video. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people, like, do... It's either them sitting there and talking about the comic, which that's perfectly fine. That's what I do. Um, I don't like to do a big flashy, like, oh, look at all the art. I like to sit there and just be like, hey, I'm the creator of this. This is what this is about. This is why it's exciting. You know, I'm going to sell my product the best because I know it. Um, there are also people that do those really cool, like, montages with the, um, uh like the the art and then they've got like music over it and it's like it's like a movie trailer and it's really really neat like that kind of stuff i think those are two really um good ways to capture people's attention um the downfall of the person sitting in front of the camera and doing it themselves is that not everybody is high energy and personable (laughs) so for sure so sometimes I'll watch these videos and it's just like, this is the creator of the project and they just seem, and I don't know, some people get nervous and I totally understand sure. that. You know, it's, it's a little overwhelming to like put yourself out there in that way. That's um, why I gave up on that. Yeah. 
I, I, I hate myself on video. Um, even when I do live things on Facebook, I'm like, I, I look stupid. I sound stupid. Everything's stupid. So I gave <laughs> up on that after, I don't know, like my, maybe my fifth one or so. And so now I just do, I do like the, uh, the trailer videos. Which, you know, that's, again, I think the trailer videos are amazing. I don't have um, the technology skills for that. So I've chosen to go the route uh, that I'm comfortable with. And I'm super I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give you the secret to that. What? You ready for the secret? Hire somebody? there's a secret. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> there, there, there is that. There is that. But um, if you should happen to have uh, any sort of an Apple product, this is for the Apple people first. Uh, whether it's an iPad or, or whatever, and you have the access to iMovie, which is the key here, iMovie. iMovie has trailer templates that exist that you can drop in your videos and or pictures and or text and create a roughly one-minute trailer um, straight out of that. And if you go to my Kickstarter, which will give you all of our information on these things uh, uh, later so you can check them out. If you go to my Kickstarter that's running right now, the one minute trailer that is on my Kickstarter for Penny for Your Soul uh, was built in iMovie. And iMovie is really awesome. I know a lot of people that use it, but I'm not an Apple person. So everything okay. I have, I you know, is Microsoft. And so yep. what I need to so here, do here's the here's the trick for you. <laughs> <laughs> here's the trick for you for if you don't have Apple stuff. Now this will cost you a little bit. But it's not extreme. And I've done this as well for some of my other ones before I got the iMovie stuff. Um, if you were to go do a Google search for uh, – oh, how did I find this? Basically put in movie trailer templates in your Google search. You're going to find websites that have essentially what iTunes has or what iMovie has, these, these templates um, that you can create and make. And maybe it costs you – 50, 60 bucks, but you get a nice high resolution, you know, essentially movie trailer that you can then plop onto, um, you know, your stuff. So, and I've done that as well. So, um, there, there are multiple ways to do it. You can absolutely cheat. Obviously you, when you're doing it and you're paying it, you're paying a company. If you know somebody who can do it, maybe slip them 50 bucks instead and, and, you know, help the local guy, you know, do it for you. But um, those are the two ways that I've done it and they've both come out great. And it, and it's worth the investment if that's like oh, how sure. you want to do your video. You know, like I said, right. I don't have, you know, the access to to iMovies, so I would have to do that. And, you know, 50, 60 bucks for a, a Kickstarter trailer is, you know, is very, uh, very reasonable. So that's... Well, well, and what you want to do, here's here's the other trick. Don't make it a Kickstarter video. Just make it a video. Because then when you're done with Kickstarter, you can still use that video in your marketing. There's no, hey, July 20th, we're launching this, blah, blah, blah. No, forget that. Just here's a Penny for Your Soul trailer. Boom. Which means I can use it for the rest of my life because it will always be relevant. Yep. I have a, a service that I do my promotional videos through, like that you probably have seen in my story. And like I you know, p- post them on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, I think it's called Slidely. I'm pretty okay. sure is what it is. And it does, it's expensive. Um, and the only reason that I have, I'm, my friend has it and he has a lot of extra, um, videos that he never uses. So he lets me use as many as I need. It is mm-hmm. expensive, but that's how I make all my promo videos. And it's super easy. They have like, you know, you can customize it all yourself and then they have music and video and like all this stuff. So you can make like, these really great promotional videos. Mm-hmm. Um, so I highly recommend that if you, you know, don't mind throwing a little money around, but yeah. So, okay. So you're making your Kickstarter video and you can either go like, those are the two routes that most people do. If you choose, if you're comfortable in front of the camera, I, you know, that's great. Be lively, be excited, you know, explain to people what it is. And I say, keep it to no more than a minute. Just like you said, you make a one minute, you know, basically like movie trailer almost. I think a minute is plenty of time to get people interested. And I think the, if a video goes too long, I don't watch it. Correct. Um, yeah. I'll, there, there, there have been studies that have shown you do not want to be more than two minutes, um, but the minute is really the key. And if you're going to be the guy sitting in front of the camera, make sure you have something nice on. Make sure you've combed your hair. 
make sure you've done something behind you that isn't just the kitchen or, you know, uh, whatever. Just set yourself up so that, again, you're presenting yourself as well as your product. So make sure that your video, whatever is behind you and whatever you're wearing, make sure it's all, you know, clean and nice and, and presentable. Yes, that that is definitely important. <laughs> like I make sure are... I put on makeup. I'm like, I don't want to scare anybody. Like I make Oh sure yeah, I... lips I put on lipstick all the time for my videos. Well, Absolutely. Yes, you should. You know, you gotta you gotta <laughs> wow them, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so now, you know, you've got your video and you're ready to launch. Definitely, um, some people will get approved faster, but give it at least a week to get approved. So if you have yes. a specific date that you want to launch a week before that date, have everything ready. And that means, you know, you have to get your bank accounts verified and a lot of different things have to get verified. So as you walk through each step, be ready to have all those steps done the week before you want to launch and submit it because you want to make sure that if you tell people you're launching at a certain day and time that no kinks fall in that and then you look like disorganized or you know you just want to be on time and on schedule people right. like that <laughs> right as best as you can yes absolutely yeah sometimes things are out of our hands um you know and that's different but this is something that you can control because you're the one that's putting this Kickstarter together. So you can have everything ready a week before and get it submitted. So just mm -hmm. be on top of that. Control the things you can and the things that you can't. Well, you know, don't worry about those. <laughs> yeah. That's what the update button is for. You, you just tell your guys, hey, dudes, my my artist got sick, so we're going to be delayed a week, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. The The key is, to, is, is communication, as with everything. As long as people know what's happening um, – you know, then then small delays aren't usually a big deal. Yeah. And I mean, I've seen with certain I, like there was one Kickstarter that I backed that took almost like a year to get the product because there was mm -hmm. a bunch of you know things that had happened. But the mm -hmm. final product was great. We were kept updated and mm -hmm. it was never like we were sitting there in the dark going like, I don't know when I'm going to get this. Am right, I ever right, going right. to get this? So as long as you keep people in the loop and are an open book about what's going on. You're going to find that people will be very patient and they will still continue to back your Kickstarters. Now, if you're running behind and you don't keep people in the loop through updates and, and various things, people are going to start to get mad. And when people are not happy, they talk. And that is sure. when they're happy, it, more, people are more likely to, to talk about you if they're mad at you than if they're happy with you. This is true. So <laughs> you kind of want to limit that. <laughs> don't get people pissed off at you. Right, right. That's not a good thing. But, okay, so now your Kickstarter is approved, and it's go time. It's, you know, it's the day your Kickstarter's launching. If you have a mailing list, and with me, I send out my mailing list to my mailing list, uh, my newsletter, like, a week before with, you know, just updates on other stuff I'm working on. And then, hey, my Kickstarter is going to be launching on this day at this time. So if you want to check it out, you know, boom, there you go. Like it's in there. It's out there. Um, you know, post to your social media. So Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, you know, anywhere that you have a social media presence. You want... Yeah, like I said, even be doing this a month before. You want people to know it's coming, but then once it's there, you have to, it's almost like you have to work 10 times harder once you launch. <laughs> yeah, and, and it, it, you really need to be, you know, on all uh, – uh, social media is, is a drag. We all know it. But as a promoter, you kind of need to be everywhere. Um, and so Instagram uh, – uh, Twitter and, and, and all that kind of stuff, you know, you need to be kind of your own carnival barker because no one else is doing it for you. So, um, unless you're paying somebody to be your carnival barker. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, you need to learn how to just kind of present yourself and, and market yourself. And, and, and for me, you know, I've always tried to let the product speak for itself. Um, but over time I've, I've learned that people want to know, um, you know, Who's the person making it? You know, who's the artist? Who's the who's the writer? What what do they what do they do besides, you know, making comics and stuff? So um, that's what social media is. You know, it's it's uh, it's letting people sort of, you know, into your life 
and and sharing passions. And if they share your passions, then they're probably going to like your books. So um, social media is kind of that necessary evil uh, for promotion nowadays, unless you are, you know, at every show across the country and you're just making your 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 FaceTime with people. Um, but that's that's a whole different world of, uh, you know, chasing your audience. So. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> that's, yeah that's, a that's a different show. That's a different show. Yeah, that's literally chasing your audience. <laughs> like, hey man, get over here. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> um, one of the other things that I've seen people do, actually, well, there's two different things. I've seen people do like a Facebook event where it's like you know for the launch day where they invite people to an a, a virtual event, which is oh the launch of your Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. I'm. I, I can see why that could be good for some people, and I'm not knocking it. I personally don't do that because I find that if you're already sharing all this information on social media everywhere the way that you should be, like everybody already knows. So whether they RSVP to a virtual event or not, that doesn't really gauge if they're going to back your Kickstarter. So for me, no, just- that, that means nothing. But I will tell you this. Um, what it does do is it brings your community together. So if if you have some sort of a live virtual thing happening um, and and you're on video and you're talking and whatever, and there's, you know, 50 people in the room with you, what you'll find is that they will start talking to each other in, in the room, whether it's about the Kickstarter or whether it's about something else, they'll just kind of sit there and chat. And that is the engagement that you want because you want all of your fans to kind of be like, Oh, there's other people that like this too. I'm not alone. And that just kind of gets them all, pumped up for for the whole thing as well. Right. And it's a way it's a way to feel included. I definitely feel like yep. doing um, a live video on the day of your launch is yes. a really, really good idea because again, it's you talking about your passion and something that you're excited about and nobody can do that for you. Nobody right. is going to be as passionate and knowledgeable about what you're working on um, as you will be. And people like for me, it's all about connections. I love meeting the people who write the stuff I love and who draw the stuff I love. I love, you know, being able to to have a conversation with them and just say, you know, I really appreciate your work. Like what's your influences? Like just kind of, you know, pick their brain a little bit because I'm inspired by them. And I think it's mm-hmm. really cool to be accessible to people. Mm-hmm. Um and so a live video for sure on the day that you launch, I think, even if it's just a short one, even if it's just a few minutes to say, hey, this is what's going on. You know, if you have any questions, let's do this. You know, talk about some of your award tiers and just, you know, be out there for people. Yeah, um, absolutely. We we do. Uh, uh, like I said, I, I hate being on video and doing it, but I've, I've done it enough now that I'm kind of OK with it. Um, but we do or I should say I do. Um about a, a about 20 to 30 minutes before the Kickstarter launches, I just go live on Facebook and um, just start talking about the thing. And then, you know, come launch time, we, we push the button live uh, while we're talking. And uh, um, and then we just kind of talk about all the stuff that's coming in. If people have questions about, you know, what it is they're buying, then you can you can answer them right then and there. Um, so that's what that's kind of the what I've been doing for the last I don't know, three or four of these that I've been doing is is kind of going live just before the campaign goes live to kind of help generate a little uh, a little early pop. Absolutely. And then I see people that do um, actual like events the day of their Kickstarter launch. So mm-hmm. like they'll go to like a local comic shop and do a signing um, or they'll, you know, go to their favorite coffee place and do a signing. And then it's like a live party that like local people can go to and be a part of your launch. And um, those that's really cool for people that like those experiences. So that's another thing that you can do if you if, if that's something that's in your heart to do and you feel like, you know, it's it's a good idea for you and your um and your Kickstarter is do an actual live event out of the house with people and, uh, you know, have fun with it. Yeah, we've done that. We had a we did a for Lights, Camera, Jungle. We did a, an in-store weekend with uh, Jen Brumall. And then when we did Penny for Your Soul, we had um, Rob Duanis, Jason Metcalf, Ryan Kincaid out. And we did an event out at Jesse James Comics. We've done stuff with Chris Brown at uh, Comics and More. So, um, you know, usually if you've got a good relationship with a comic book store owner, they're they're not going to have a problem with you running an event um, in their store. It, it should theoretically just, you know, raise more 
um, interest in their shop. You know, hey, what's going on on Saturday? Oh, this thing's happening. Oh, cool. Well, we'll come down uh, and, and check it out. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, there's like a lot of things that, you know, once you've launched and, you know, there's a lot of different ways that you can reach out to people and make it exciting. You know, I feel like a lot of people since, you know, Kickstarter has become so popular, there's always somebody's always running a Kickstarter. And that's sure. cool. But you yours can get lost in the crowd. So you want to, you know, be true to yourself, be true to your products, market it the best way that you know how, and, you know, just bring your enthusiasm and, and, and be ready to share that and, you know, make yourself stand out because there are a lot of different, um, choices available. And if somebody doesn't know who you are, you know, you're selling your, you're selling yourself as well as your product. So, you know, if you're, if you've got a werewolf book and there's eight other werewolf books on Kickstarter, why should people buy yours and not the other guys? Right. You got to always be always be better than the guy who is in front of and behind you. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I mean that's that's a really good way to put it, you know, and and just, you know, be positive, be excited. And, and just really, you know, just know that it's a lot of work, but even when you're tired and, you know, you're halfway through your campaign, I mean, it's, I've, the, I don't even know what the term is that I should use for this, but the, the love and support that I felt during my first Kickstarter was overwhelming in such a good way. There were several times, like, I mean, we hit goal and this is my first Kickstarter. I, we hit goal in 10 hours. So for me, I wasn't expecting to even hit it in the first day. You know, I was just like, I, I came in with super low expectations, but I did everything within my power and used the stuff that I had learned and the tools that I had been given from other people to really market it and to really sell it and to, to do everything that I could. And it paid off. And it was just so... I I just felt so much joy, even though it was such hard work. All of that hard work was worth it because people believed in the series that I'm writing, just like I believed in it. And it was like, whoa, man, like, that's amazing. Like, people like my stuff. They're they're interested. And it just it feels so good. (laughs) It's there's nothing quite like that, that feeling. And, And so as tough as Kickstarter can be, it's it's truly a really fantastic tool if you're prepared to use it the right way. Right. Right. Yeah. You can, you can kind of, you know, vanity press it pretty easily. Like I said, if you're just looking for 500 bucks or whatever, and you just want to put a comic out just to have fun with it, then, then it's, it's, that makes it a a completely different experience. But if you're kind of serious about being in the comic book industry, um, self-publishing your books, then, you know, you've got to really put the work in to take the campaign and the product up another level uh, so that you're standing out. I mean, right now there are, I was just looking at this here. There are explore comics. One million. (laughs) Well, usually there are, oh, it's not telling me on this thing. Uh, the, The last time I looked, there were something like, 190 comic book projects on Kickstarter presently. And so I just dropped mine in last Saturday into this pool of 190 odd campaigns. So I have to make sure that my campaign stands out from all of the other campaigns that are there. So you need to do your research and look at how people do their images. You know, there's actually some really great um, title page images right now. Usually a lot of these are really just kind of half-assed and, and not very good, but there's some really great ones right now. So, um, you know, I have to make sure that I'm going to be able to stand out among all of those. Um, and I, part of how I do that is, is all of my images have a style to them, um, sort of a, a, a graphic design to them. And I use that design every single time on every single campaign that I do, whether it's Penny or Critter or Lights, camera, jungle. The design is always the same so that even if people don't know that I have a different book up, they might see that that design and go, wait a minute, that looks familiar. And they might check it out. Yeah, and that's that, just kind of branding. That's yeah, branding yourself. Yeah, being consistent. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. And dude, we've been talking for 55 minutes already. Doesn't it? Didn't that fly by? 
Yeah. And, and honestly, we were really only scratching the surface. I mean, these are really broad strokes for, for, you know, Kickstarters. There's, there's far more details that, you know, you kind of have to, like we said, like we've said, just go research it. Don't just look at one thing. Don't just look at what your friend did. Go look at what the guys that have been super successful have done and, and sort of take your lead from there and, and start to upgrade everything that you do to the, to the best of your ability. Right. Use it. I mean, even if you don't have access to like the best stuff, whatever you have at your fingertips, just make the best thing that you can make. Always mm-hmm. just aim to do the the best that you can. Um, and, you know, if you guys have questions about Kickstarter, you can, you know, hit us up on Facebook and, you know, we'll do our best to answer any questions that we can. Um, sure. You know, that's Tom has a little bit more, just a little bit more experience than me. Um, just a <laughs> smidge. But, uh, you know, what little I know, I, I'm more than willing to share. But, yeah, you're right. We didn't we, we scratched the surface and that was almost an hour's worth of talking, walking you through just like getting prepared, yeah. getting ready and submitting and just like those basic things. So, yeah. you know, we might have to do a Kickstarter 2 episode sometime down the line. Um, yeah. But before we run, run out of time, um, let's talk about your Kickstarter. Sure. Yeah. Penny for your soul. This is the final issue for our, for our volume four issue seven. Um, if you have not read Penny for your soul before, or if you've not been part of this campaign series that we're doing, um, don't worry. The campaign has everything that you could possibly need to read the book. If you just want to get the one issue, that's fine. We have all seven available as a reward tier. So you can get the entire series in one easy pledge. Um, we have already unlocked six stretch goals. Stretch goals uh, are basically free items that you get as we make more and more money within the campaign. You guys are going to get free stuff. So there's olive oil trading cards. There's stickers. Um, we have unlocked the special exclusive back cover. So your editions of the book will have a back cover art to it that the other editions won't. Um, you know, we have done pins in the past, all kinds of stuff. So um, we just launched on Saturday. And we are already well over pace for what we did on the last campaign. And the last campaign that we did broke all of our our funding and backer records. So um, we're really excited about this. We've got great artists, um, including three brand new people who I've been watching for a while and and I finally got them involved. Um, So there's all kinds of art from just pinup stuff to, you know, really good detailed character uh, designs there, there's all kinds of stuff. There's something for everybody, but if you're not into the sort of heaven versus hell, uh, mature theme audiences stuff, our next book will be, uh, the legend of Oz, the wicked West, and that will be coming out in October and that will be returning our Western, uh, wizard of Oz series. So we do a lot of different stuff. Yes, you do. And I love it. I love it all. Um, I have a Kickstarter as well. It's not coming out until August 2nd, um, but it is for um, issue two of Aeonian, which is an ongoing series um, that I write. And for our first arc, I have um, Stan Yak doing the art, Robert Nugent is doing colors, and Robin Jones is doing the lettering. So uh, it's the same team from the the first ish, uh, issue, which was kickstarted hugely successfully at the beginning of this year. Um, so it's the next chapter of what's happening to the family. And it's a family that's trying to figure out how to stay, you know, immortal. They want to live forever and they have, they're doing experimentation on this being in their basement who they think holds the key. And so we find out a little bit more about the family, how they came to be where they're at. And it just dives a little bit deeper into the mystery. And there's, um, some blood and some, you know, some jokes, of course, because uh, Hewitt and Maimon, my two scientists, are like the comic relief, and I absolutely adore them. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's going to be um, August 2nd. Um, I get up early, so I think I'm going to launch it at like probably like 8 a.m. <laughs> I, I, last time I was going to do it at noon, and I got too excited, and I just launched it early. So I'm like, why am I like, gonna, what? Don't kid yourself, Stephanie. You're going to get excited, and you're going to hit launch. Um, but yeah, there's all kinds of cool rewards, um, including um, I'm doing an exclusive event um, for after the comic is released. I'm doing an exclusive event for 
It's local only, unfortunately, because it is uh, going to be happening in Wyandotte, Michigan. Um, in September, uh, I'll be doing a private party with a free open bar. Um, I'll be there to sign and deliver your comics or whatever tier reward that um, you've received or you purchased. Um, and also, there will be um, two special guests, which I will be announcing, but not yet. Um, some of uh, two of my favorite, very favorite people, and you'll know them from. We'll talk, but we'll get more into that later because we're running out of time and I'm just meandering. So <laughs> uh, I'll do an announcement on that on my Facebook later. But thank yeah. you for doing this show again with me, Tom. This was fun. Of course. Of course. It's always great to jibber jabber. Yeah, we're pretty good hopefully, at it. <laughs> uh, yeah, hopefully you all got some 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 good, you know, basic information on, on you know, how to make a Kickstarter and, and, and all of that. But, yeah, I think definitely at some point we got to come back around and talk about you know, a little bit more of the details, but, um, this should, uh, this should be a really nice, be nice, uh, starting point for those that have not done it before. Exactly. And we'll be back in two weeks. Um, yes. so thank you guys so much for listening to another page turner and we will see you soon. <laughs>